0: Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you we're going to look a little bit a little bit more closely at ephesians four uh, thirty two this morning i 'm going to do something different um, i don't normally do this you know there used to be a time years ago uh, when I was in seminary where I, where I would discourage the use of any paraphrase of the Bible because it wasn't the word of God, right? It's not, it's not, it's not intended to be um, accurate in terms of the original Greek. Um, it's intended to be um, modern language, um, helpful, useful for understanding the context. So I'm purposefully going to read Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of all of chapter 4 uh, of Ephesians this morning because I, I, I want to try and recreate the setting uh, of what it would have been like for the early readers when they gathered as the church. Paul's letters were, were, were read to them. The church would gather and Paul's letters were read to the congregation. So I'm, in, in a sense I want to recreate that because I think sometimes we read the Bible in such a way that we, we might miss that. We only might read a section at a time, and we don't really get the whole scope or the whole context of what's going on. So I want to read um, Ephesians 4 from the message this morning. And Paul, Paul has laid out Ephesians in such a way, it's, it's, it's kind of a bit like Romans, um, where the first, for Romans, the first eight chapters is, is theological doctrine, and then there's three very difficult chapters in the middle on this issue of election and the nation of Israel, and then he, from 12 on, he lays out the moral imperatives. That, that's a very typical pattern for Paul. Most of his letters are in that same format. He does the same thing here in Ephesians, uh, but he kind of breaks it up 50-50, where the first three chapters are the theological givens, if you will, and then in chapter 4, he, he kind of makes application of everything he just said in the first three chapters. And so I want to read that fourth chapter for us this morning from, uh, again, uh, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. But I, I really think this is good. I enjoy this. And um, I encourage you just to sit and listen. If you If you want to follow along, obviously, you're certainly welcome to follow along. But I encourage you to listen to Ephesians chapter 4 in this modern translation, modern paraphrase. So Paul starts out, in light of all this, what he just said in chapters one, two, and three, in light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily, pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences, and quick at mending fences. You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, so stay together both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who rules over all, who works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. But that doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. The text for this is, He climbed the high mountain. He captured the enemy and seized the booty. He handed it out in gifts to the people. It's true, is it not, that the one who climbed up also climbed down, down to the valley of earth, and the one who climbed down is the one who climbed back up, up to the highest heaven. He handed out gifts above and below, filled heaven with his gifts, filled earth with his gifts. He handed out gifts of apostle prophet, evangelist, and pastor teacher to train Christians in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. No prolonged infancies among us, please. We'll not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are an easy mark for impostors. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. And so I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They have refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch, not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore. And feeling no pain, they let themselves go in sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. But that's no life for you. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you've paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have seen it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. What this adds up to then is this. No more lies. No more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other, after all. When you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry. But don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Did you used to make ends meet by stealing? Well, no more. Get an honest job so that you can help others who can't work. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps, each word a gift. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for the truth and power of your word. God, we pray that you will show us this morning, teach us what you want us to hear Help us to understand you clearly, Lord. Help us to understand what you might be calling us to. And Father, help us most of all to respond in obedience. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, as I mentioned uh, to the kids, I've been watching a little bit of the the World Cup soccer tournament lately. And, uh, you know, I I didn't grow up playing soccer. It wasn't a popular sport when I was growing up. I think now it's probably the most popular sport in the world. Um, again, it's it's a little disheartening that uh, our country is not one of the 32 best teams in the world, but um, maybe uh, next year, 2022, we'll see. I'm not an expert on soccer, not by any means, but I think I know enough... Um, about a team sport that that I can appreciate what I'm watching. I I love when a a team comes together um, to accomplish a a goal bigger than any one of them individually. And and I see that happening in this World Cup tournament. And it's amazing to me that um, the teams that are consistently good, despite the fact that they might have one or two superstar players, and a lot of teams have one or two superstar players, their strength does not lie in the individual talents of their players, but their strength lies in all of them coming together as a team, sacrificing for um, a larger uh, goal, no pun intended, <laughs> the larger goal of victory, right? Um, giving themselves up for each other, sacrificing Personal gain or personal glory, again, for the purpose of the larger goal of the team, which is victory. You know, there's a few things um, that seem to me to be obvious to do well in order uh, to have success. One of these things I see is, is players receiving the ball from a teammate in such a way as, as to control it and maintain possession of it. I, I could never do that. If somebody would fire one of those passes that fast at me, I promise you it would bounce off my feet and go right back to the other team. They make it look so much easier than it is, I'm sure. But the way they receive a pass and control it while they're running full speed, it, 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 sometimes it looks like that ball's on a string. And it's just attached to their feet. It's, it's really amazing as I watch. I know I, I, I would struggle to do that. Another thing I I notice is players consistently running full speed into open space again and again and again. Most of the time, the ball doesn't come their way. But they are always ready and prepared to receive the pass, that opportunity (laughs) when desire and and, and opportunity meet and they have a chance to score a goal. They consistently run into open space. They don't know if they're going to get the ball or not, but it's just amazing to me to watch these teams play together as a team, sacrificing their individual talents and agendas for the betterment of the team. You know, one thing that I think is obvious when I watch this tournament, that the success of any team is largely due to selflessness. Selflessness. And I mention that because I, I feel that this same principle of selflessness here in Ephesians 4, has reverberated rather strongly. Every so often, it's good for the team to be reminded of the basics. We are the team here this morning, if you haven't connected those dots. We need to be reminded of a few of the basics. One of the basics I want to remind us of this morning is the basic of forgiveness. Christ makes forgiveness available to all who will repent and come to him in faith. And since Jesus forgives in this way, and since we are then made one with Christ, made one with Jesus, it's inconceivable to me that those who have been forgiven would then in turn uh, not prove to be forgiving themselves. But I think sometimes that happens. Of all the things that should represent the identity and purpose of of a local church family surely forgiveness should be at its very core it's got to be number one hallmark of a local church and our reading of ephesians this morning it's interesting that paul both begins and ends in the same place he he starts by urging his readers to live a life worthy of the calling they've received How does that happen? Well, he tells us like this. Humble, gentle, patient, putting up with one another, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. How does he end? In the exact same way. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. In other words, the secret of unity in any church, the secret of unity in in any fellowship of Christians is grounded in two factors, our humility and our holiness. There will never be genuine humility where pride is foremost and holiness is neglected. You'll you'll never find it. It's impossible to grow as a team unless we are growing individually. We'll never see biblical principles worked out congregationally unless we're seeing them worked out individually. And when Paul makes that statement to close out chapter 4, he, he, he's not suggesting that the grace of God somehow uh, denies or destroys our responsibility to do. I mean, in fact, he's urging his readers to make sure that we do while the Holy Spirit of God enables the doing. It's the same principle he mentions in Philippians 2. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who is at work in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And and this idea of humility and forgiveness is is set against the backdrop of a very ugly list that Paul writes in verse 31. He says to get rid of this stuff. Number one is bitterness. Bitterness. The word in the Greek is, is a word for sour. It's, uh, it's representative of a sour spirit or sour speech. Get rid of it, Paul says. Number two is rage, a blazing animosity towards another. Get rid of it, Paul says. Number three, anger, a settled hostility towards someone. Number four is brawling, displaying an animated disgust for another, leading to shouting and screaming. Number five, slander, the defaming of someone, the attempt to destroy someone, the juiciness of talking about another behind their back. And number six, malice, ill will, wishing evil or harm on others. No place for these in the Christian community. Paul says, get rid of them. Get rid of them. So instead, what should be the hallmark of the church? First of all, we're to be kind We're to be kind. The word in the Greek here is krestos. It almost sounds like Christ, doesn't it? Krestos is Christ. Krestos is the word for kind. Krestos, a kindness that is useful, worthy, and benevolent. That kindness is to be accompanied by a spirit of compassion. A spirit of compassion. Be kind and compassionate to one another, Paul says. And and now we come to a very interesting Greek word, a Greek word that I love to say, splagizomai. Say that three times fast. Splegizomai. That's fun to say. Splegizomai. What is, what is this? Splegizomai. This is the word that in the ancient King James Version was translated bowels. From the bowels of tender mercy. That's Splegizomai. It's, it's kind of deep in your inner core. Right? Splegizomai. This whole idea of being stirred or being moved uh, was expressed uh, in terms of the guts, let me remind you that, that that at the time of writing of the Bible, the inward organs were considered the the seed of emotion or, or the seed of intention. So this is kind of this ah uh, from deep inside your spirit to Jesus in the Gospels. He was moved with compassion. That that word there's splagidzoma. He was moved with compassion for people. The same thing I feel every Tuesday and Wednesday morning when I walk through the halls of Waddell Elementary School and I see these kids. I'm just moved with compassion for them. Many of them without a dad, most of them unable to, families unable to afford three hot meals a day. I'm moved with compassion for these kids. That's, that's My God does something in your inner core, in your inner being to move you towards compassion for someone or something. This idea of compassion is not is not something cerebral oh i think i'm I think I'm feeling compassionate today. No, it's this uncontrollable urge from deep within your bowels, from deep within your guts and it makes perfect sense, right? <laughs> because is there anything worse than a than a church full of constipated Christians I mean it it kind of shows on our faces, right? A, a kind of pinched look. Everybody in need of a solid two spoonfuls of theological Maalox. I You know, I make, I make fun of it to make a point. But I stand by my statement. There's really nothing much worse than an unmoved congregation. For the statements and challenges challenges of Paul here in Ephesians to be pushed to the category of theory and noticeably absent from our practice, especially in regards to our relationships with one another. And when that is the case, there will absolutely be an absence of forgiveness, which is supposed to be given quickly and thoroughly just as we have been quickly and thoroughly forgiven in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm not sure we always get that right. The way the Greek word uh, forgive is used here is in the form of a middle present participle. Okay, what does that mean? Middle present participle. I'll tell you what it means. Well, forgiving, present tense, you understand what that is. That's all we need to know, forgiving. That needs to be us, forgiving. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. That is in the aorist tense. A O R I S T. What does that mean to be in the aorist tense? That means an action happened in the past which has abiding significance in the present and in the future. Jesus came. God forgave. God continues to forgive. Aorist tense. Because of Jesus, we have received forgiveness. And as a result of that, we are now to be the forgiving ones. So that the forgiven forgive. The primary motive for forgiveness is is what God has done for us through Christ in order to free us from a debt of sin. So if we really know what it is to be forgiven, if we really understand that, and if we know how easy it is for us to fall to slip up, to blow it from time to time, then it should be very difficult for us to have hardened hearts and refuse one another the necessary forgiveness. That's how it should work, right? Is that how it indeed is working all the time? I'm not sure. I read an old quote this week that said, the unforgiving spirit as an expression of pride is the number one killer of spiritual life. The number one killer of spiritual life is an unforgiving spirit. Let me remind you of something that I I know I find helpful and, and need to be reminded of from time to time. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a promise. It's not a feeling. It's a promise. I can make promises without any feelings attached And they are still legitimate promises. I can promise to get up with you at five o'clock tomorrow morning and run six miles. Not sure what kind of feelings I have attached to that. Probably probably very negative ones. But I can can make promises without any feelings attached. They're still legitimate promises. When God stirs in our hearts, when he moves us, splagidzomai, makes us kind and tenderhearted we learn to forgive one another and what we're saying is this i promise you that i will not bring this matter up to you again i promise you i will not bring this matter up to anybody else i promise you that i will not bring this matter up even to myself anymore the forgiving soul says this i won't do that i promise you On a lighter note, D.L. Moody, when talking about the individual who in burying the hatchet left the handle sticking out for possible future use. I think we need to bury the handle too. If we neglect the, the practice and exercise of forgiveness, we will soon lose our own enjoyment of the forgiveness we have received from God. Let me read another old quote from you. This is uh, written in the Old English. So try to follow along, but this is good. Know that when unhappily thou thinkest any evil of thy brother, some root of that same evil is in thine own heart, which in proportion proportion as it is ill-disposed readily receives any like object which it meets with. And be sure that all good and kindly feeling towards thy neighbor is the gift of the Holy Spirit and all contempt, rash, judgment, and bitterness towards him comes from thine own evil. It is our forgiveness of other people's sins against us that demonstrates our understanding of how much God has forgiven us. Consider this a pep talk for the team this morning, a reminder of one of the basics that needs to be a hallmark, one of the hallmarks of MCN. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God has forgiven you. You know, I've been, um, <laughs> I've been wrestling with how to, to, to close this service this morning. And so, um, I'm just going to keep talking for a little bit as we close. That was scripted. This is unscripted, dangerous. So Pastor Dan is on sabbatical for the next ten weeks. Pastor Dan and I and I have had several conversations leading up to this summer sabbatical, things he wanted to make sure got done things uh, certain things he wanted to make sure received the 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 proper attention. And let me tell you, several times he mentioned to me, Gary, when I come back, I'm 58 years old, I've got seven years left, I want to serve well. I want to lead well and serve well for my last seven years until I retire when I'm 65. I can't tell you how many times, three, four, five times he said that to me. Can, Can I ask you, can we commit together this summer to growing and building ourselves up individually in order that we can grow and mature congregationally so that when Dan comes back, we can serve well alongside him. We can follow well alongside him. Can we commit to that? You know, at the, at the beginning of the message, I talked about, again, growing individually must happen first before we can grow congregationally, before we can grow as a church family. Biblical principles uh, need to be worked out individually before they can begin uh, to be worked out congregationally. You know, sometimes, my experience is this. When, when we're not committed to kindness, compassion, and forgiveness, if we're not committed to those things, whether we know it or not, we, not only is unity not established, w- there's this tendency. We, again, we might not even be aware of this. There's this tendency to kind of be like this, to kind of keep each other at arm's length. And in, in, in a sense, what we're doing is we're, is we're putting up fences. You can, you can only come so close. You can only come so close. I like you, but you can only come so close. What we're doing is we're putting up fences. If we're not committed to kindness, compassion, and forgiveness towards each other, we're putting up fences. True story. Southern California farmer wins a contest. And his prize, he can choose to go anywhere in the world to study any farming practices he wants for one week, all expenses paid. So he's a sheep farmer in Southern California, and he decides, I want to go to New Zealand. He's heard about these incredible sheep farmers in New Zealand. He decides, I want to go to New Zealand and study sheep farming practices for a week. So he does. All expenses paid. He goes to New Zealand. He's on this sheep farm for a week observing these sheep farmers in this practice and the, the week comes to an end and the new zealand one of the new zealand sheep farmers says so you've been here for a week what what, what what have you learned what have you seen what questions do you have and the california sheep farmer says you know i'm just amazed i'm absolutely amazed you have all these sheep they never wander from your farm despite the fact you have no fences you have no fences and your sheep don't wander he said where i farm back in southern california my sheep wander i have to build these big tall elaborate fences to keep my sheep in because all, all the surrounding farmers are citrus farmers and my sheep wander to go get free fruit and free food he said but in in, in the states our sheep just wander and we have to build these big elaborate fences to keep them close to home the, the new zealand sheep farmer said oh oh yeah um we discovered something a few years ago We discover that if we dig our wells really, really deep and we have the cleanest and coldest water available for the sheep, they have no desire to wander from home. Jesus himself is our deepest well. Can we commit this summer to digging our wells deep? draw close to Jesus whatever you need to do get in the word more get on your knees in prayer more dig your spiritual wells deep we'll have no desire to wander we'll have no need to put up fences we'll experience unity like we're supposed to we'll be naturally kind compassionate and forgiving we'll grow individually we'll grow congregationally and when Pastor Dan comes back we will all serve well together can we be committed to that? I hope we can. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth and power of your word. God, we thank you uh, that you've given us each other, but God, we confess we are human. (laughs) We are um, prone to mistakes. We are prone to falling short. We are prone to selfishness. God, help us. Help us to receive your word for us today. God, help us to be committed to being kind and compassionate and forgiving. God, would you help us by the presence of your Holy Spirit in our lives. God, help us to dig our spiritual wells deep so that we can reflect you in all that we say and do. God, help us to be a loving, kind, compassionate, forgiving church. Let those be the hallmarks of MCN, God. Thank you for this reminder of the basics today. As we go, Father, would you... Watch over us by the presence of your spirit. Continue to help us to live for you and to live our lives in such a way that praises you, that honors you, that glorifies you, and might influence and encourage others to want to do the same. Father, we give you our thanks, our praise, our love, and our worship today. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. God bless you folks. You can be dismissed.